Amen. As we consider God's leading and guiding and providential hand, let's turn to Lord's Day 10 for our confessional reading. Page 211 in the Forms and Prayers books. Page 211 in the smaller Forms and Prayers books. And we have uh, two question and answers. For Lord's Day 10, I'll read the question. Let's together say uh, the answer for 27 and 28. Beginning with question and answer 27. What do you understand by the providence of God? Providence is the almighty and ever-present power of God by which God upholds as with his hand heaven and earth and all creatures and so rules them that leaf and blade, rain and drought, fruitful and lean years, food and drink, health and sickness, prosperity and poverty, all things in fact, come to us not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. And then question 28. How does the knowledge of God's creation and providence help us? We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and for the future we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father, that no creature will separate us from his love, for all creatures are so completely in his hand that without his will they can neither move nor be moved. It's the confession we hold in common. Let's turn to Psalm 138. One of the Psalms of David, as about half of the Psalms are. Psalm 138, we'll be reading and considering the eight verses of this Psalm. Let us hear the Word of God. Of David. I give thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord, for they have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. For though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. 
Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. So far the reading of the Holy Word of God. Dear congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, I know of some believers who speak about praying in outgoing or outgrowing circles. And so they begin with their own personal walk with God, their own uh, confession of sin, their own words of praise to God, their own supplications related to their own life. And then they they pray in outward circles. They pray for uh, their family. They pray for their church family. And then they pray for their neighbors and they pray for the world. And so this is a helpful pattern uh, for some in, in their prayer life to give it a, a basic structure. And it's, it's one of a number of, of helpful patterns. This little psalm before us uh, has a pattern something like that, except David, after going from uh, the, uh, the needs and the, and the thanksgiving to God from his own heart, after going from there outward to all the world. He prays for the kings of the nations in verse 4 and the kings of, of the earth, all the kings of the earth. Then uh, it is uh, this, this prayer follows a, a yo-yo pattern. Uh, David goes from himself out to all the earth and then back to his personal uh, care and his personal walk with God and his personal trust in God in the final two verses. What it is that we see in this psalm is a concern from David that he would know and trust the Lord and that all would follow and have that same knowledge and that same trust and that same dependence upon God. So our theme this morning, considering uh, trust in the providential power of God, our theme this evening is this. May all people trust the providential rule of God. And we see God's wondrous throne in the first three verses and God's wondrous ways in four and five and God's wondrous care in six to eight. Well, here David begins, it's not praise to God from his lips only, but from his very heart. With my whole heart, the middle of verse one. And then uh, this personal thanksgiving is it's in David's heart, but it's something he's, he's ready to express. He's ready to express it before the world. Now, in David's day and in David's language, he says it this way, before the gods, I sing your praise. What is the situation in, in the, the world and in the, the people that surround David and surround the nation of Israel? It is a situation where as soon as you get outside of Israel, all of the surrounding nations have their own gods, their own gods whom they claim and their own false idols. And so when David says, before the gods I sing your praise, it's a way of saying, Lord, I trust in your name, and I will confess your name, and I will do this in your land, and I'll do this in foreign lands. I'll do this whenever I'm outside of Israel. I'll do this whenever I'm in the lands that are supposedly ruled by false gods. Before all the nations, before anyone, I profess your name. It's not a phrase that we would usually use today then, 
But brothers and sisters, it's another expression of this truth. I profess the name of God in all places. Whether it's the relatively safe circle of the covenant community, of believers in in fellowship together, or whether I'm in a circle in a place where I am not surrounded by believers. I am always ready to give thanks to your name, to praise your name, to speak the wonders of who you are. Indeed, God is always uh, worthy of worship. And that uh, may be why David uses the word temple in verse 2. Usually in the Old Testament, we see the word temple, and what do we think of? We think of the first or second temple uh, built in Jerusalem. But neither of those temples has been built yet. What is David thinking of here? He's probably referring to God's heavenly temple. The temple as it's spoken of, for example, in Psalm 18, verse 6. And so it's David's way of of, uh, reminding himself that God is always present in his own house of worship, in the heavenly temple of which the earthly temples would be a copy. And God is always worthy of our praise and worship, whatever our place, whatever our situation is down here on earth, God is always in his heavenly temple. And then that heavenly temple is closely related to God's heavenly throne. And so David moves in verse 2 from language of worship to God to language of God's exalted status above all things. And uh, without going to any specific verse, uh, for those who were here in in previous months as we worked through Ezekiel, you may remember uh, some of the times when Ezekiel ties together the, the throne of God, the authority of God together with the temple of God and even the vision of God's heavenly temple. And so David gives uh, praise and worship to God and it's related to God's authority. Now this, considering who God is, God's steadfast love, God's faithfulness, God's authority exalted above all things, this prepares us for verse 3. And brothers and sisters, I, I want us to slow down, as it were, as we come to verse 3. Because what does David say here? On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. So brothers and sisters, let's consider for a minute what David does not say. David does not say, on the day I called, you answered me. My poverty you changed to prosperity. David does not say, on the day I called you answered me. My lean years you changed to fruitful years. David does not say, on the day I called you answered me. My difficult circumstances you changed. What changed? It was not David's circumstances. It was David's strength of soul to endure what he was going through. Now, brothers and sisters, God is gracious. And God answers prayer. And God sometimes answers prayer very directly. And we might say in in a way that we might hope prayers to be answered. But... 
whenever we pray, we say, your will be done. And even as God is gracious, and God often answers prayers in, in, in very direct ways, sometimes, people of God, the prayer for illness to be removed, trial to be removed, for a situation in life to be uh, removed that, that, that we would wish to change. Sometimes it is not answered in that circumstantial way. But praise be to God that such is His work that God not only changes circumstances, but God also changes us. So David says here, On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul you increased. My situation did not change. But you worked in me to give me strength for my situation. Indeed, as we look ahead, David uh, even speaks of being ready for whatever trials may come. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, verse 7, you preserve my life. But that's jumping ahead a little bit. Let's come back to the middle verses and let's come to our second point, God's wondrous ways. David desires that others too would share with him in having true faith in God. And so uh, David prays for all the kings of the earth and that all of the kings of the earth would give you thanks. O Lord, O Lord, that's Lord in all caps. That's Yahweh. That's the personal covenant name. That's the name that that, uh, speaks to how, uh, how God is the only true God, the God of Israel, Yahweh, the personal God of David and of of the nation of Israel for all who trust in him. Well, David David lived before the New Testament era. David lived when the New Testament when the when the Old Testament nation of Israel was chosen out in a specific way. But David already understood that all people could and should come to worship God, praise God, give thanks to God and know God's salvation. Here we have a missional evangelistic prayer in the Old Covenant context. David knows that we should desire to see all people come to God. Now he prays specifically for all the kings, but David's a king and he knows that kings stand as representatives of their subjects and that kings have a great influence over their subjects. And so by praying for all kings, David is really praying for all peoples. And we can uh, consider at least once when this prayer was answered in a powerful way in the times of the Old Covenant. And that is uh, the account of the prophet Jonah. And uh, again, an account that even our youngest may be familiar with. The the prophet who refuses to go to Nineveh. He doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He goes the opposite direction. God swallows him up in the very belly of a fish and brings him and and has the fish spit him out on the shores of Nineveh. What what is Nineveh? Where is that? That's not in Israel. That's the capital of Assyria. And it is a foreign nation. It's one of the mighty 
kings of the other nations. And what happens as Jonah reluctantly goes to preach to these foreign people? Well, there is a great revival, at least for one generation. And who is a pivotal convert in that revival? It is the king of Nineveh, as we read in Jonah chapter 3. God turned the heart of the king, and in turning the heart of the king, uh, God also then turned the heart of many people in Nineveh and brought many to truly repent of their sins and believe in him. That's a prayer of David here in Psalm 138, answered uh, 200 years or so later. And now, brothers and sisters, what day do we live in? Now we live in the context of the new covenant. Now we live in the time when it has very plainly been declared, not only that all kings should trust in God, but that the Great Commission has come from Jesus the Christ to bring the disciple to, to disciple, to bring the teaching of God out to, to bring the good news, the gospel, out to all the nations in a very direct and specific way. And so uh, how much more ought we to have this kind of thought pattern, this kind of prayer pattern for all peoples to come to give thanks to God, to give praise to God, to rejoice in God's salvation. And notice that David is speaking about salvation. David wants the kings of the earth not just to know that the Lord is the creator, but he wants them to know the words of the Lord's mouth and to sing of the ways of the Lord. You see that in the end of verse 4 and the start of verse 5. God is evidently the creator of this world in that is plain to all even as that truth is suppressed in unrighteousness. But as plainly as this creation declares our Creator God, we cannot be saved unless there is the word of what God has done, specifically in the sending of His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for our sins. And so uh, David knows that it's not enough that they would just know God generally, that they would just know that God is the creator and maker of us. God's, uh, David prays that they would know the words of Yahweh's mouth and that they would sing of the ways of the Lord. It's a way of saying, uh, Lord, may they, may they not just know you as creator, may they know you as savior. May they know the promise of your Messiah in New Testament language. We say, may they know the name of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. With this, we come to our third point, God's wondrous care. Now in verse 6, uh, David still has a far-reaching, beyond-himself focus. And he says this, For though the Lord is high, He regards the lowly. But the haughty he knows from afar. There is no place for pride in man. We are not exalted. We are not maker and sustainer. We are not savior. And so the mark of God's people is, is humility, humble faith, humble confession of sin. 
and the mark of unbelief is haughtiness and pride. And though it is indeed true that God has created all, and though it is indeed true that all who draw breath have their breath and their life from God who continues to sustain all, and though it is true that God is not only all-powerful with His creative hand, but also omniscient in that God knows all things and all people, it is not true to say that God knows all people in the same way. Because for those who deny Him, who remain in rebellion against Him, God knows them as from afar. But for the lowly, for the humble in faith, for the humble in confession of sin, God knows them near. He regards, He knows your cares. He knows your concerns. He knows your trials and your troubles. And He will strengthen you for those trials, even as He often gives answered prayer to deliver His people out of trials entirely. Though God is high, He regards, He has personal relationship, He knows intimately the lowly. All those who confess their sin are brought through Jesus Christ into personal relationship with God. At this uh, point, brothers and sisters, we're going to tie together a few things from uh, from this morning for those who are here and uh, from the beginning of this psalm going back to verse 2 and the authority of God, the, the throne of God. And I want us to step back and I want us to see that the authority of God who is exalted over all things. So whenever we talk about authority and submission, we need to finally talk about the head over all things, the king over all the earth. But there is a tying together of the authority of God and the love of God. And so back in verse 2, it's to speak about His steadfast love and His faithfulness. But then as we move through the psalm and as we step back and look at the psalm as a whole, it's love that is, that is personally, uh, personally revealed, personally expressed. The Lord regards the lowly. And so, brothers and sisters, I want us to know that love and authority must go together. And in God, they go together perfectly. He is exalted over all. He is the God of steadfast love. He is high above us. And He is in personal relationship with us through the, the very eternal Son who showed His love in such a way that He died for us. There are many ways that we see this uh, the love and authority and, and how those two things should be together, how we see them tied together. Uh, we can think of that a challenging expression in uh, challenging the sense of challenging for, for any husband to try to fulfill from the Song of Songs when the Shulamite woman says in Song of Songs 2 verse 4 to her shepherd boy husband, your banner over me is love. 
Your banner, your symbol of authority. What is it? It's love. Your banner over me is love. And who is the only one who has perfectly fulfilled that? It is Jesus Christ. For those who are here this morning, our assurance of pardon came from Ephesians 5, uh, from those words about how Christ gave Himself up for uh, His bride, which is the church. I'm going to read uh, two other verses from Ephesians 5 now. Here, how the love of God and the authority of God go hand in hand. And so Ephesians 5, uh, verse 23, speaks about the, the authority of Christ. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. Indeed, Christ is the authority. He is exalted over all things. Uh, but what about the love of God? Well, this is also so clearly expressed. And then we go back to the beginning of that chapter and we read in Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So, people of God. And this is our faithful God and Father. No creature will separate us from His love. This is the One who is the Ruler, the King, the Creator of all the earth. This is the One who personally knows His people who come to Him in trust, who come to Him in repentance of sin. So all of this is is uh, coming through in this still rather short prayer of David. And then he comes back to personal language in verse 7 and 8. Verses that we touched on just briefly earlier. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. In other words, David has now so learned to lean upon the Lord that he can confidently say, if new troubles come upon me in the future, I will still lean upon you. And I will praise you. I know that you are good, that you are the one of perfect authority and perfect love and perfect care. For the Lord will fulfill His purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. God will fulfill His purpose. He is high. He is exalted. He is Creator. He is not as we are. He will do it in ways that are not how we would do it. But He will fulfill His purpose. And He is the one in whom we trust. We can be patient in adversity, thankful in prosperity, and for the future we can have good confidence in our faithful God and Father that no creature will ever separate us from His love. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God Almighty, high above all and also near to us your people in love. 
Give us strength in the midst of trouble. Increase our strength of soul as we live through this this earth, this veil of tears where your providential hand sovereignly rules.